you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 28 through 30, just three verses um, in your Bibles. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And I also have the Scripture passage up on the screen, and it's from the Message version of the Bible. And so I'd like for us to read this responsibly together. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. You ready? Let's read it together. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Can we say that phrase one more time? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. These are Jesus' words to people that want to pursue a godly life. Let's bow our heads together. Holy Spirit, would you open up our eyes to see things in this passage of Scripture that perhaps we've never seen before, and or to be reminded of things that we've forgotten. Help us to experience today the unforced rhythms of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Listen, we're in a series all year, deep and wide. And I'm telling you right up front, you're never going to go deep in your relationship with Christ if you don't have any rhythm. So here's what I think. I think I know why Jesus said these words. I think Jesus knows that you and I have the gift of complication. And we make following Him and living the Christian life way harder than what it needs to be. So this scripture passage is really Jesus saying to us, 21st century, lighten up, people! Don't be so serious! Because following Jesus is more like learning the song than mastering the notes on the page. Some of us are consumed with mastering the notes on the page. Notes are important, right? You can't learn the song without the notes. But the problem is, Jesus called us to learn the song and to sing. He didn't call us to master the notes perfectly. And there's a lot of Christians that are actually making the Christian life a lot harder than what it needs to be. And that's what today is about. So, here's a sentence for you, and I'm going to follow through and give you three reasons. You make following Jesus and living the Christian life harder than what it needs to be when you reduce God to religion and religious activities. Verse 28, are you worn out? You're tired, burned out on religion. 
So the context of these verses is that Jesus was speaking to religious people who were trying to find and follow God and play by the rules. The problem is, is that they were so caught up into religious activity that they were caught up in this idea that they were trying to be good enough, they were trying to do the right things, and they were just trying to follow the rules. Back in those days, Jesus was speaking to people who were following the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law had 613 laws that were a part of the Mosaic Law, and it was a struggle. Even the best people, even the most religious people, had a hard time following all 613 laws. I mean, some of these laws were just crazy, right? And, so, and they all flowed back from the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments say, keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, the question becomes, how do you keep the Sabbath day holy? You shouldn't work on the Sabbath, right? Well, the question becomes, when does the Sabbath begin and when does the Sabbath end? That's a legitimate thought, right? So when should you stop, when, uh, when should you stop working because the Sabbath has begun and when can you start working again? Here's one of the interpretations from the rabbis of the Mosaic Law. You could tell when the Sabbath began and you had to stop work, when if you stood 20 feet away and you couldn't tell if somebody was wearing green or blue, that's when the Sabbath began. Because of sundown. If, if I couldn't see if you're wearing green or blue, then that meant Sabbath had begun. And all work had to stop. And so, as a result, you had a lot of people that thought following God was just living by the rules and trying to be good enough. And Jesus speaks to these people and says, here's the problem. You're exhausted and burned out because you've reduced the Christian life to playing notes on the page and you've forgotten the song. We learn rhythm and dance way before we learn the notes on the page this was exactly what was taking place in the church in galatia you know the apostle paul wrote letters to many churches um, in in asia minor and one of the sets of churches that he wrote to were the churches in galatia which is a region of country in that area which is now i believe modern day turkey and the reason why he wrote the letter to the galatians was because These people had given their lives to Christ and trusted Christ as their personal Savior, but then some other false prophets came along and said, hey, that's fine, you can be a Christian. Oh, by the way, you still have to follow the Mosaic Law. And so what happened is is that those Galatians were living a life of freedom in Christ, and suddenly they became burdened again and thought, well, I, I guess I better follow the Mosaic Law. And they lost all of their song. And they just went back to rules and religion. And the Apostle Paul said, no, no, don't let anybody ever steal your relationship with Christ and the freedom that comes. That's why he says, Galatians 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And here's what I think, brothers and sisters. I think that many of us are making the Christian life way too hard. Way too hard. We're making following Jesus way too hard because we're trying to be religious we're trying to follow a certain set of expectations 
Now, later on, I'll talk about the flip side of that, is that you, you need the notes on the page. But if you focus on the notes on the page, you get yourself in trouble. Holly and I, uh, last week, were um, at the beach for a couple days, and we were sitting out just enjoying, just people watching and just enjoying the beach, and we saw this little boy with his mom. And I want to show you this short video clip because it kind of encapsulates what I've been talking about. Now he's the... see the spontaneity of the little boy he doesn't know any dance moves he's just doing his thing and here's what I want to say to you you know I'm, I'm all into spiritual disciplines I talk a lot about spiritual disciplines I talk about reading the Bible have developing a prayer life developing silence and solitude the spiritual discipline of service and the spiritual discipline of giving and all those things are good it's called the rule of life saint benedict made it up and all of western christianity is based on the rule of saint benedict by the way but you didn't know that i think all that's great but if that becomes your main focus you're in trouble and i think some christians are so serious about trying to get it right, that they've sucked all the joy of knowing Jesus out of their relationship. I mean, they're trying so hard, they're so diligent, and there's no winsomeness anymore. There, there's no dancing, there's no spontaneity. You're, you're just trying to do the best that you can. And Jesus clearly says to you and me, if you're burned out on religion, if you're exhausted trying to like do it all right, come to me. That's it, just, just come to Jesus. Just come. He, he doesn't tell you to have it all figured out. He just says, come. You know, sometimes the hardest thing in the, in, in the world to do is to just simply humble yourself and say, okay, I'm coming. Some of us are trying so hard, okay, we have besetting sins. We've been dealing with the same sins year after year after year. And you're like, when will I ever get it right? And you're discouraged. There's a lot of people that come to church every Sunday discouraged. Because once again, they're living with failure. I'm not in any way minimizing the importance of living a Christian life well. But I am saying this, if your focus is on trying to do it well, rather than learning the song in rhythm, you will always make the Christian life a lot harder. You get this? You, you, you get where I'm going with this? Number two. You make the Christian life a lot harder than what it needs to be when you get out of rhythm with Christ. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now, the metaphor here, which you don't see in the message version, but you do see in the NIV version, the King James version, the New Living Translation, all the other versions of the Bible is, the metaphor is what? It's of a yoke. Take 
my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and gentle. And so there's this idea of a yoke. You got a picture up there of the two oxen? And you see the yoke that's between them. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to walk beside you, but I want you to fit into the yoke that I've prepared for you. And by the way, yokes in the ancient world were always custom made. And they were custom made so that they would fit perfectly around the neck of the ox so it wouldn't rub the the ox raw and create a bloody patch. There's an ancient fable, I have no idea if it's true, but there's an ancient fable that Jesus made the best yokes in Galilee. He was a carpenter, a tradesman. Now here's what's interesting. We get out of rhythm with Christ when we're walking with Him, but we decide we want to go a different direction. Or when we don't keep pace with Him. Or when we try to get ahead of Him. And some of us are making the Christian life a lot harder than what it needs to be because you're not in rhythm with Christ. You're just kind of like, imagine an ox just trying to pull one direction while the other ox is trying to go the other direction. And here's the thing that you need to know about Jesus. Jesus loves you, but he's never going to follow you. Amen? Jesus loves you, but Jesus refuses to follow you. It's you follow him. And so Jesus has his own pace in your life, and Jesus has his own direction that he's taking you. And 98% of the time, you do not know the direction that Jesus is taking you. That's why it's called faith. And so Jesus is plodding along, and he's taking a direction, and we go, ooh, I like that over there. And we begin to move that direction, and Jesus is like, I'm staying the course. And we get ourselves into trouble. Acts chapter 9, particularly verse 5, is a very fascinating scripture. Acts 9 is really the story of the Apostle Paul's conversion. He was known as Saul before that, but it was his Damascus Road experience. The Apostle Paul, then known as Saul, was traveling to Damascus because he was persecuting the Christians, and he was going to go round up all the Christians in Damascus, and he was going to jail them and persecute them. Jesus comes to him in a blinding light from heaven and a voice speaks to him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And Jesus says, it's Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And listen to this. In ancient phrases used, which no longer shows up in in your Bible, the King James Bible is the only one that has this phrase. Because it's so ancient, nobody understands it. Jesus says to the Apostle Paul, Saul, it is hard to kick against the goads. Well, there's a good reason why it's not in any other translation, because nobody knows what goads are. Right? Okay, so what's a goad? A goad is an iron-pointed tip on the end of a stick that's connected to the leather straps that is strategically placed in the oxen's side, the ox's side. And how do you get a big old ox to turn? 
you pull the leather strap and the goad, the iron tip, just, just kind of like pushes into the side of the ox. And that's the ox's way to go, ooh, I'm supposed to go left. Ooh, I'm supposed to go right. <clears throat> but guess what? Sometimes oxes have a mind of their own. And sometimes oxes would kick against the goads. They'd kick up a dust storm, and they'd want to go this way, and they didn't want to respond. And here's the irony. The more they rebelled, the deeper the iron tip went, and it would break their skin and produce blood. You know what Jesus is saying to the Apostle Paul, Saul? He's saying, you're fighting against me. And in you fighting against me, you're making it harder on yourself. Brothers and sisters, that is the picture of so many people as they follow Christ. We've got our own attitude. We've got our own direction. We see things that we want to do. We have places that we want to go. <clears throat> we have desires and objectives. And all those things are fine, but they always need to be submitted to the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go ahead and dream all that you want to dream, but to remember, you always got to come back to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because some of you are making the Christian life a lot harder than what it needs to be because you're kicking against the goads. You know it, maybe nobody else knows it, but secretly in your own heart, you're like in a little attitude rebellion because you don't want to go where God wants you to go. And you don't want to do what Jesus is calling you to do. And there are some things that you know are wrong and you're still doing them anyway. And ooh, ooh, it's painful. How do you know if you're kicking against the goads? A couple questions. Are you trying to tell Jesus where you want to go these days? Or are you submitting to his leadership? Are you feeling angry at God because he has let you down? Or your life is not turning out the way you want it to be? Or is there just a lot of pain going on in your life right now? Not all pain is a result of kicking against the goes, but this is where you need the Holy Spirit discernment to say, wow, I am not flourishing. And one of the reasons why I'm not flourishing is because I'm actually going against what I know to be God's revealed will for me. Each of these has to do with this idea of not being in rhythm and properly yoked with Christ. The third way that you and I make the Christian life and following Jesus a lot harder than what it needs to be. I mean, Jesus is saying, come on, relax, lighten up. If you'll just trust me and follow me, you'll have a different kind of life. But we make it hard sometimes. We make it harder than what it needs to be. Thirdly, when we've lost our vital connection to Christ. Verse 30 says, keep company with me. And you will learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. The longer you walk with Jesus, the easier it is to walk away from Jesus. 
That sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? The longer you walk with Jesus, the easier it is to walk away from Jesus. It has been my observation through the years of being a pastor that for every new Christian who backslides, there are dozens of seasoned Christians that walk away from the faith and just do their own thing. It's not an active rebellion. It's just a complacent drifting. Actually, next Sunday, I'm going to devote that entire message. Next Sunday's message, I'm giving it away, Danger Zone. And I want to talk about this whole idea of many Christians are living in a danger zone. But this is a setup for next week. You would think that the more you walk with Jesus through the years, the closer you get with Jesus, and the more you would be in intimate fellowship with him, but that's not necessarily true. It could be that you become so inoculated and so familiar with Jesus that you take him for granted. For example, God said this specifically to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Listen to this. But this is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty... You do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You know what's going on here? Right out of the gate, God is speaking to the Israelites who are now in the promised land, and he's saying, listen, the promised land is going to be good for you. I call it the promised land for a good reason. It's my gift to you. But just remember, when you begin to prosper in this promised land, don't forget where you came from, and don't forget I'm the God that got you here. And guess what? They did it anyway. And they lost it. But they didn't lose it like the next year. They lost it over decades and hundreds of years. You know what that says to me, brothers and sisters? That means we need to keep company with Christ. And that just because you've known Jesus for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, doesn't mean that you're walking in intimate fellowship with Jesus because you've got to remember to keep company. Consider this in your marriage relationship. Holly and I yesterday celebrated 34 years of marriage. I can't believe she still puts up with me, okay? But listen, the reason why I'm telling you about our anniversary is because Holly and I still have a spark between us. We still have that that energy between us. Yeah, we have arguments. Now, if she's here second service, we never have arguments. But, you know, we have arguments, okay? But here's the deal. There's something inside of me and there's something inside of her that says, but you're my best friend and I want to be with you. And there are some days that I can't stand you, but I still love you. But listen, we still have that spark. You know what I know about a lot of marriages? The spark went out a long time ago. And you're still, you're still living together, you're still technically married, but you're really living separate lives. And there's a lot of stuff that has got between you through the years. It's exactly that way in your relationship with Christ. There's a lot of Christians that have known Jesus for a lot of years, but the reality is there's no spark anymore. 
There's no deep intimacy. And you're just drifting. It's not like you're in active rebellion. It's just you're not keeping company. So let me ask you a couple questions in closing about is, could this possibly be you? Have you lost a vital connection with Christ? Ask yourself these questions. Am I just going through the motions? Am I more focused on enjoying the material things that God has given me than my walk with Jesus? When was the last time you really heard the Holy Spirit say anything to you? And are you keeping company with Jesus by studying His Word and worshiping from your heart and praying? See, we're getting back to that, playing the notes on the page. You, you, you can't learn the song if you don't know the notes on the page. But here's what I know. There's a lot of Christians that through the years, they just stop reading their Bible on a regular basis. They, they, they just stop doing the things that they used to do. So, what do you do? if you find yourself having lost that spark between you and the Lord? Hey, a wise man once told me, and this has changed my life, okay? I'm committed to finishing well. And finishing well means being more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning. A wise person once said to me these words, the first half of your life, God chases you. The second half of your life, you have to chase God. The first half of your marriage, it's all about intimacy and energy and connection the second half of your marriage you need to be really intentional about keeping the spark there so what do you do to regain that vital connection revelation chapter 2 verse 5 actually verses 1 through 7 is the story of the church in ephesus getting a smackdown by the lord that's exactly what Revelation 2 is. It's a smackdown from the Lord. And he says to the church in Ephesus, you've lost your first love. And then he goes on to explain to them how they've lost their first love and why they've lost their first love. And then he gives them the remedy. The remedy is found in verse 5. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent and redo the things that you used to do. There it is right there. Remember, repent redo that's the way back to a vital connection you remember the passion that you used to have in your relationship with the lord you repent of the things that have caused you to lose that vital connection and then simplest thing in the world you, you just simply go back and redo the things that you used to do start pick up the word of god again start becoming regular in worship Start praying again. Start doing the things that you used to do. You do this in the marriage. Your marriage is in trouble today. Guess what? Remember, repent, and redo. It's not complicated. But you have to be intentional about it. You have to stay connected and keep company. Keep company with Christ. So I don't know where this message has landed with you, but I am deeply concerned about Christians who have walked with Christ for decades. You need to regain the spark. You need to regain that vital connection. Whether you're a dad in the room, a mom, whoever, teenager, you, you need to regain that connection.
So here's what I want to give you an invitation. Um, Pastor Jungmo is going to come up. We're going to have a closing song. In fact, just come on up now. But during that closing song, I've asked a couple people, ladies, if I've asked you, there's three ladies that I've asked, if you'll go stand over there. And I've asked Dave Winter. He's going to stand right here. I've asked Paul and Laura Hunter. They're going to stand over there. So, you know, you have some ladies, you have a guy, and you have a couple. And here's what I'm thinking. During the closing song, if you're worn out, if you're burned out, if you're trying to be good enough, but you're exhausted at trying to be good enough because you've reduced your relationship with God to religion, I, I, I think you should just come and have somebody pray over you and say, I'm burned out. I'm overcomplicating. If you've lost your vital connection with Christ, part of the reason is you're, you're just doing your own thing. I think it would be good to have somebody pray over you and say, hey, I totally get that. Let's remember, repent, and redo. And I want to pray over you. So would you stand, please? This is just a free-flowing time. I'm going to come back and close the service at the end of the song. But during this song, if your heart's beating a little fast and you know that something is going on inside of you, you're more interested in playing notes on the page than learning the rhythm, you just come and have somebody pray over you. And then I'll come back after the song is closed. Let's put our heads together. Father, we are so grateful for the privilege that we've had of worshiping you today. You are truly a great and wonderful Heavenly Father want to just thank you for all the men in this room who are on a daily basis just trying to do the best they can to be good fathers, good husbands. I pray blessings over them again. May the rest of the day be filled with your presence and your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of the day.